0: Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. I was teaching the book of Colossians. Chapter 1. We are in chapter 1. I'm going to continue the chapter 1. Let the apostles' letter to the Colossians he mentioned in the first chapter here that we have gone through. He thanked God for the Colossians who have heard the gospel. And he praised God and started praying for them. And that prayer is that you can also pray this prayer for yourself. The prayer is started from verse 9. That They should be that God will fill them with knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You should be praying that same prayer for yourself. And that's one of the things you should be doing for yourself and for even believers. Pray for them, quoting these Bible verses, personalize those Bible verses, and God will answer it as you pray. You can read it out to God, but just personalize it. It Lord, I pray that I might be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God is listening and God will make it happen and that's how you and then we went further and said Apostle Paul is saying in verse 23 of that we went to verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1 he said we have to continue in the faith grounded and settled that is the Holy Ghost is working this work in us but we have to cooperate with the Holy Ghost by continuing in the faith and in all these exhortations and in the hope of the gospel and like mentioned Titus chapter two verse eleven, in the, in the last broadcast, that the grace of God, has appeared to all men, that teach us to deny all ungodliness and worldliness, and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. is coming to appear. He will appear. Who has saved us? Who has redeemed us from all iniquity? He gave his life for us to redeem us. And to and then is purifying a peculiar people unto himself. We are the peculiar people. That we should be zealous of good works. That is we he's putting our heart to we have the zeal, the desire to do good works, pleasing God always. That is the thing he has put in our heart and we are to continue to to continue in that faith in, as as Paul said 23. Now I'm going to continue from chapter one of Colossians. Like I said, from verse 23, he said, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, he said, We are of high poor and made a minister. Apostle Paul said that was what he has been preaching. Verse 24, Apostle Paul now talking about said, I will now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ, in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So Apostle Paul believed that all the suffering he was suffering, it was suffering for the gospel. So he said it was like part of the suffering that Christ suffered for us. He's continuing that suffering by preaching the gospel and they are beating him up, sometimes arresting him. So he says it's part of his, he says he's doing this for the church's sake. And verse twenty-five so went for that. He said, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God so which means all the everyone that God has called personally called as a minister because even me that is preaching God called me to be doing this thing I didn't just, I didn't just go to college to go and learn it just because I'm looking for a career because I'm an engineer by career and I'm still an engineer by career but see God calls people no matter what your profession is to be part of his kingdom and sometimes makes them to be ministers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, for his work's sake. So, somebody say, well, you are like a lay preacher. That is, but to God, we are not lay preacher. He send us out. He's allowed to still be working so that we can use our fund to still be propagating the gospel. That is how God left it. That's what Apostle Paul was saying that he was using his own money to propagate the gospel. He said, how did you get the money? God was blessing him with the little thing things make tents and sell it, and use the money to still propagate the gospel because it is like a business. The gospel is like a business for us, a personal business, and that is how God wants it to be spread. The people that are committed to Him, they are using their funds to propagate the gospel. You go and read the story of the women that were following the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said they were ministering to Christ and the disciples from their own funds, from their own money. And those people have a reward in evil, great reward in heaven. Those women have great reward in heaven. They will be sitting on thrones with the Messiah in heaven, and that is what God is calling everyone that is a believer. If you know what you are, what you are calling to, you will, you will spend your money to propagate the gospel. Just think of if you know that the your country will be taken over by this group, and they are going to become the ruler of the country when they when they torpedo the current current government, and they are invited to come and be part of it. Won't you? Spend your money to be part of them because, you know, when they take over the government you are going to be an important person in the kingdom. That is what these people that recognize what Jesus Christ has done for them and what Jesus Christ has come to do. They were spending their money for Christ. Women that were following Him, they were spending their money to, 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 to sponsor the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and read this in the Bible. And that is what Apostle Paul was doing. So he was using his money, his hand to do, making things and the money he made, he was using it to propagate the gospel. And God will be blessing him to do that. But say some people don't take it seriously like that. It is a private, almost like a private business. That is what we are also doing when we preach the gospel. We are not getting money from some church that are sending us out. No, God send me out, and I am doing the same thing like Apostle Paul doing it. And when we are on the radio, we are doing the same thing. We're using the fund God gives to us through our engineering job to put things on the radio. So if you also take that seriously. You'll be sponsoring the gospel. You may even say, Let me pay for some radio stations. Send your sermons to the radio stations and I'll pay for it. That will mean that God will see that you as you are also sponsoring it. He said, But I'm not the one preaching. It doesn't matter if you are the one preaching. Before I became a minister, I was sending money to evangelists that I hear on the radio to keep sending this thing out. The same way that's how God made me become an evangelist also. If you start sponsoring the gospel, God will make you somebody in his kingdom. An important person in this kingdom. I'm telling you the secrets of how these people are going to be sitting on thrones. How they become people that are sitting on thrones with Christ in heaven. And you look like, oh, it's, you don't know. It's in the future of future. That future will be soon. And if you believe in the kingdom of God, that is what you want. You don't want that other other future. The future of people going to lake of fire. If you want to be a real important person in the kingdom that is coming, you better sponsor his gospel and live for him. Because that is very important. But when you live for him, that puts you as part of the citizens of the kingdom that is coming. But if you want to be an important person, like an officer, you better spend, sponsor his gospel. Sponsor his gospel. You say, well, he you are, has you are not called you to be a minister. You, you are not. You are. A, you are. When you are sponsoring it with your own money, he either call you a minister or you are you are you are getting a position for one of those that spend their their money for him. And that is what those women that are already that were already in, that was sponsoring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was preaching around, they were sitting on thrones. People are even seeing visions of them sitting on thrones with Christ right now. And when Christ shall come back, they shall be officers in the kingdom. That's how you become officer. And there's a going to be there's going to be roles in the kingdom of God. Everybody's is not going to be the same. There'll be roles and positions. Which position do you want to be? It is how you serve Him right now. Go and read the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Jesus Christ said, and my reward is with me. Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me. To give to every one of you according as your work shall be. The work then that you do for Him now is for your reward, not for saving you. You only get saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and born again through His precious blood. But that will just make you a citizen. Of the kingdom, but you want to be an officer? Think of any government in America right now. They have people that are part of the cabinet of the president. How did they become popular? Because the the president knows them and they were very close to him, or they were in part of the party, and that is how we that are going to be officers in the kingdom. Christ is sending us out, and how you serve him right now is how you are going to be positioned in the kingdom that is coming. This is just a my by the way, but that's not. I'm just t- telling you all about that, but this is what Apostle Paul was saying here that he himself became a minister of the gospel and he's suffering for the gospel, but he's doing it because God has called him to do that. And that is going to put him in a special official position in the kingdom that's to come. Now, let's read the rest of chapter 1 of Colossians. Verse 25 is what I just read. Verse 26 says, Even the mystery, say, let me start from verse 25, continue from verse 25. We are of I am made a minister. According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now it's made manifest to his saints. What is this mystery? All this I just mentioned that God is setting up a kingdom. Yeah. What about this kingdom of this world? God is going to destroy all this kingdom of this world, American government, European government, African governments. All those type of United Nations, they are going to be destroyed because the world will be almost the world. The people on the earth will almost be almost be eliminated, and Christ will come down, resurrect the dead in Christ, to live with Him here for one thousand years first, before the rest of the dead are raised. In the book of Revelation, chapter twenty, you see that story there, and then the whole planet will be given to the people of saints of God forever, that are resurrected, that are living now. they So don't Think it's just for this hundred years that you have on this planet Earth that you are living now. This this life, this false lifestyle, lifetime, lifespan of you is small compared to eternity that is coming. So that's what we are preaching. That is the truth. That's what Jesus said. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, He came to bear witness to the truth. How did He bear witness to the truth? That there is a God it is the first truth. That there is going to be a resurrection of the dead he is to bear witness to that because He resurrected Himself. You see. And it's coming again to take over the world, It's bearing witness to it that this is the kingdom and it's setting up. So if you want to be part of that kingdom and be an officer in that kingdom, be born again, and then serve him with all that you have, even with your fund. Sponsoring his gospel. Now, verse 26, he said the mystery which has been here from the ages and from generations is now made manifest to his sins. Verse 27, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is the mystery is what Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is, Christ will be living inside us. Is how we are going to get that immortality back. The glory that Adam lost in the first time is what you mean, hope of glory. The hope of our glory. What do you mean by the hope of glory? Adam lost something in the Garden of Eden. That's why he has to die. Because when God created Adam and Eve, He didn't intend man to die. They are to live forever. But. The glory that was covering them was part of what God created for them. Every creation of God has something that is covering them. But for human beings, the glory is like a light covering them. But that light is quenchable. And because they sinned, the light was turned off. When the light was turned off, they became naked. That's what it is. That's why they say, Because I am naked. They became naked. And then the only way God said that they will not allow them to, to partake of the tree of life, that is, to live forever has to be stopped for them because they don't want to live in this naked situation forever. So God sent them out of the Garden of Eden. It's not a physical garden, it's a spiritual place where they can go in and out into the spirit world and back. So now they couldn't go freely by themselves into the spirit world so that they don't go and partake of the of this tree of life that can make them live forever. In this situation, God doesn't want them to live in this physical body that is full of sickness and disease, forever like that, or full of sin. So, But God planned a redemption to redeem mankind. And that redemption is what Christ has come to initiate, to institute. And He has done it. It is done now. He's not calling you individually to come. It's not going to be automatically given to everybody. Individually, come unto me. So He has done. That's what we are preaching. You have to believe it. Come to Him. And the hope of this glory that we are going to get that glory back, what Adam lost, God is going to turn this on again by turning us first to righteousness. The born again experience to make us holy again. Before God can make us perfected through the Holy Spirit. Before He can turn the light on again and we'll be covered with glow. Like our Lord Jesus Christ right now is glowing. When He appeared before, on the, on the, in the Acts of Apostles, when Jesus Christ appeared before Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. To road, road to Damascus. It was like in a ball of light. That is the glory. And that is what God is going to give to, is giving to us as the glory that Adam lost, but it's going to be Christ will be living inside us to be able to get that glory. Glow of Christ in us, we make our spirit also glow and that will cover our body with light. And that light is what can appear and disappear. And go to any place we want to go without any mechanical vehicle because that's when we are light, we transport ourselves at the speed of light and get there. So that is really what God said is the hope of our glory and it is Christ that is going to give it back to us when he is living inside us. That's why he said, I will be, I and my Father will come and make our abode with you. I in them and thou Father in me. Go and read it in the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 17. Read the whole chapter you see. Where Christ was saying, this is the way we are going to get that glory back. I in them and thou in me. The Father is the spirit that is in the body called Jesus Christ. And Christ Jesus now, also believing in us, is going to make us to be able to uh, get that glory back. And that's what Apostle Paul is saying, that that is the hope of the saints. Christ in us is the hope of our glory. Verse 28, he said, this is what we are preaching, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So this teaching of the gospel is to present us perfect. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. So we are also laboring to teach this thing so that people that are listening to it can understand what Christ has come to do and what He is going to complete in us, so that we can surrender to it, yield to it, let the Holy Ghost do this work in us. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit in us, surrender to the Word of God that says this is how we should live as believers. That is what we are talking about. Now that is the end of chapter 1. I'm going to go to chapter 2. So continue this chapter two, chapter 2. For I would that ye know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now that verse chapter 2 verse 1 tells us that there is a church he believers in Laodicea, a city called Laodicea. Apostle Paul said they have not seen him in the flesh but there is a group there which means these other people converted this group in Colossae uh, and then converted this other group in Laodicea. And how did the Apostle Paul knew about them. Epaphras most likely was the one that also converted this group in Laodicea. So that's why he was telling Apostle Paul about the church in Colossae and the church in Laodicea and all the other places where he has been evangelizing. God has made an evangelist parasite out of that Epaphras, and he is doing so in building churches. And Apostle Halabaris and sending a letter to them. So he, that's how we know that there was a church in Laodicea. And this letter, we don't know. It actually say he sent another epistle to the Laodiceans, which we don't see here. It was not compiled because it was lost. But the letter he sent to the Colossians mentioned that you should read also his letter to the Laodiceans. Verse 2. I'm reading Colossians chapter 2. In verse 2 he said, he was praying for the laelations also and for as many have not seen his, his face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. That's the prayer he's continuing to recite, the prayer he was praying for the believers that have not seen him, but they have only heard about him, but they are become believers. That they have full assurance of understanding to so the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now that mystery of God and Father and Christ is what he's trying to explain that because it's not that if people don't understand who Christ is, how is he related to God the Father, we may be deceived by the devil thinking that he was just a prophet. And that was the deception that the, the group like the Mohammedans, the, the people that are following Islam, they think Jesus Christ was just a prophet. And some other group started following another. They said it just a minute. prophet. They want to go to Jehovah directly. They a Jehovah's Witness. But you see, they do not know who Jesus Christ really is. That's why Apostle Paul is he's praying for those who have never met him to be able to understand this mystery of God the Father and of Christ. And that's what he's explained here. And he went for in verse 3 of this, chapter 2 of Colossians, he said, in whom, that is in Christ, are hid, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Say, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He said, don't let anybody deceive you. And it's going to continue to explain the mystery between Christ and God the Father. But said, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Because you know, what I didn't know how much Epaphos and all these other people have taught them. See, but whatever they have taught you that make you to believe, continue in that, walk in, in that same faith. Verse 7, so be rooted and built up in Him, in Christ, and established in the faith. So it's not exhausting them to be established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I will also always be giving thanks to God that He even called you to be a believer. Because there are multitudes in the world that are not accepting it or believing it or not knowing it. It is a grace that makes you to believe. It's not just like you are smarter than them. Grace of God. Verse 8. He said, Beware now, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Because this philosopher will say, well, there's something like that. And there's no God. Or oh, these are that. That's philosopher. They think man means are just uh, having a brain that can think and that's all. No, there's a God. And he said, don't, he said Let's, don't let anybody spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. For in him, that is in Christ dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now you see that is what he's trying to point out to them. When he say, what is the relationship between God the Father and Christ Jesus? He said, in Christ Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is, God the Father is the one that came or not putting on a woman's flesh um, to be born like us, for a purpose, so I can sacrifice his blood for mankind and redeem mankind unto himself. And then he went back to glory. So that is how the Apostle Paul summarizes it. For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. But now he is mentioning the same exhortation to the Ephesians. It's more or less saying it the same thing to the Colossians in different words, but it's still the same thing that is one God. Manifested to mankind through our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not saying that they, we are complete. He said, "You see, are complete in Christ, in Him." Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody say you still doing something more. Like, a, like the Jews say, "Well, where you can believe Christ, you have to also be believing Moses." You no, know, you don't. You don't add Moses to Jesus Christ. Christ is saying You are complete in Christ. They say, mm-hmm. "Well, you believe, but you have to be circumcised," like Moses said. No, they are trying to add something more to Christ, He said, "Christ is all in all." That's what He's saying. That Apostle Paul for we are complete in Christ. Because he is the head of all principality and power verse 10. And in whom? In Christ. Also, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So his point is just alluding to what I just said. The Jews that didn't believe Christ, they tried to stop the Christians when after Christ resurrected. And went up, and these apostles were preaching about. They try to stop them. They thought this apostle. They want them to come back to Judaism to be preaching the law of Moses. preach you and then when they when they see that these people are not being stopped, they try to say, "Well, you can believe your Jesus, but you have to let them circumcise, let them be circumcised, like us, to come to be able to come to Jerusalem." See? Apostle Paul is saying, "We are already circumcised, the spiritual circumcision." That's what he's saying eh, in verse 11, saying, whom." Also, you have to remember, he is writing this letter to the Colossians, who are Gentiles. They are not Jews, and he is a Jew. And many of the people that started preaching are Jews, they are preaching the gospel, and go everywhere are preaching. And apostle Paul is sent to the Gentiles, and the, the Jews that didn't believe are following. And saying, say, "Well, if you are going to bring these people to be following, you have to make them the circumcised to be like us." That was what they were doing for thousands of years, never prospered anybody. Because they are trying to what they call proselytes—that is, people that are gentiles that became that took on Judaism—but they were not really evangelizing. If people wanted to join them in their synagogues, because any time the Jews went to another country, they tried to stay together as a as a as a tribe and have their own synagogue and don't try to mix with the other people other than trading. And those people that see their lifestyle and say, well, We want to join your church, then they say you have to be circumcised. See? And they're not really preaching to anybody, but people that see something good and want to join them, they okay, okay, you want to join our synagogue, they try to make him circumcised. And that's what they are trying to push when Apostle Paul started preaching about to the Gentiles. They say, Well, you, you are saying Jesus, well, they don't want to oppose you anymore, but anyway, make them circumcised. Apostle Paul said, God didn't say the Gentiles should go and circumcise. That was only given to Abraham. As he sees, you see, They say we are actually circumcised in Christ Jesus spiritually. And they hated Apostle Paul for that. Because they are trying to amalgamate, mix Christianity with Judaism. Which is not what Christ said. And when you go to the, to the Revelation chapter 2, you see that the logical second, secondary what Apostle Paul was uh, preaching. He said these are those people that are preaching Judaism, trying to mix it with Christians. He said they were false apostles. And God didn't send them to go do that. They made themselves false apostles preaching that around and the Apostle Paul confronted them. And you see that in all the letters of Apostle Paul when he was talking also, in Galatians, he said Peter was almost going along with these people, he said he had to confront Peter. So that is really what Apostle Paul was referring to here, trying to tell these other people that don't let these people deceive you, you are circumcised with, circumcised with the circumcision made without us putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of christ verse 12 i'm reading colossians chapter 2 i'm in verse 12 now he said we are buried with him with christ in baptism wherein also You are risen with him through the faith of the operation of god who has raised him from the dead so when you go for water baptism that is symbolizing that we are crucified with christ and then when we come out of the water baptism we have to believe it and Walk with him that way that we are now a new Christian in Christ Jesus. saved from sin. No more to be a sinner. We are raised from the dead. That's what the Bible says in verse 12. Day. God has raised us up together with Christ when we come out of the water. That's why he said we must be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So that baptism is symbolizing we are dead with Christ. We come out of the water, we are raised together with him. And it's a faith sin. It's not just faith. It's an ordinance of God. That we are buried with him in baptism. We also, also raised with him through the faith of the operation of God. See, there's operation of God in this, involved in this. Who has raised Christ from the dead. Verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, as God quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Just explain what God has done for us. Verse 14 says, God has blotted out, blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That is, whatever is written against human race I say, oh, these people are sinners, they can never come to God. God say, God took that ordinances and nailed it to the cross I said, counseled, these people can come to him. And that was what Christ symbolized when he died on the cross. The Bible said, when he gave up the ghost, the veil in the temple in Jerusalem was rent from top to bottom, rent to two. That veil was separating the Holy of Holies from the other part of the Temple. As if God was locked up in that Holy of Holies. And the veil was broken open means that God is now exposed to everybody. Come on in and see God and accept God. God himself get out of that Holy of Holies and is now filling any woman who accepted him. That is exactly what Christ has done in the veil being broken in the, in the Temple symbolizing that God has come out of that Holy of Holies and is now filling every heart that we accept him. And that's why if you come to Christ, Christ says, I am my Father we come and make our abode with you. So God is no more locked up in the Holy of Holies. So that's why it's amazing when I see, see some believer trying to go and help the, the Jews in Jerusalem rebuild the temple. So God is not interested in the third temple. We are the temple of God now we believers are the temple of god so any building that people are fellowship is not a temple it's just a place of gathering we are high on god is living inside us believers not inside a building inside we believers in our hearts that's why the bible said i and my father will come and make our abode with him in him so god is living inside you believe it and walk with him in that same in that same faith now continue in colossians chapter 2 that we are reading. I'm in uh, verse 14 where he says, He has blotted out all these unrighteous ordinances that was against us and he has nailed it to his cross. Verse 15 is very important. He said, Christ having spoiled principalities and powers, that's what Christ did on the cross, he spoiled them means he defeated them. All the principalities and powers are the powers of Satan that are ruling this world, that Wanted to make sure they were making sure that he would be crucified, and they, they thought he's just a prophet and they wanted to crucify him. And they did, but the Bible says he spoiled them, means as he went into this to the spiritual world and fought all of them and defeated all of them, including Satan, he spoiled them, he made a show of them openly in verse 15. Is what he said, triumphing over them in his death and his resurrection, because he said, I have my I have the power to lay down my life. I have the power to take it again. No man take my life from me, is what Jesus Christ said before he went to the cross. And then he came out, he came out by himself. And that's what he was seeing in verse 15. He spoiled them and then he triumphed over them. And it is for us that he did it. And he's now giving us that dominion, that he has now given us the authority to do things in his name. Because we are his body. And he has delegated his power to us, believers. And I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast.